All right, all right, all right. The Kansas City Chiefs pick up another win on the year, beating the Cardinals 26-14, improved to 9-1 on the season, and a special day for Patrick Mahomes on the field, setting a big record, a franchise record, most touchdown passes in a single season. Plus, the Chiefs got a little bit of help in the AFC, and despite that this was the fewest amount of points the Chiefs scored in a single game this year, the Chiefs still uh, did a lot of good things in this football game, offensively and defensively. And we are going to talk about all of that in just a moment. My name is Farzi Misugian, the host of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Welcome and hope you guys all had a great weekend and enjoyed your Chiefs Sunday football. Uh, obviously, you know, there, there were some things we could nitpick in this football game. But hey, uh, the Chiefs still came away with a win. I made a bold prediction uh, on the uh, uh, preview podcast on Thursday. And I completely missed, so I have to take an L and address that later on in the podcast. If you missed it, I'll tell you what uh, bold prediction I had and just how uh, far off I was with this. And I did mention uh, the Chiefs got a little bit of help in the AFC. Actually, they, they got help in a big way, but only one game uh, in which they got help in. But again, that, that one game still uh, will, will really bode well for the Chiefs in the long run. We'll talk about that as well as we uh, continue to do uh, now more often. Uh, we look at the AFC West standings as well as the conference Uh, looking at the playoff picture because now that you're in the uh, month of November, November and December is when things really start to heat up. The playoff picture really starts to to, to shape up. People get a good idea as to who's in, who's not, and you start to pay attention to a couple of other teams that have similar records to you and trying to see what you can do to either get ahead of those teams or stay ahead. And that's exactly what Chiefs fans are doing. Uh, And here's another thing too. This is the sixth straight winning season for the Chiefs under Andy Reid. Uh, I do want to touch on this one moment. Uh, Obviously, six consecutive years finishing above 500. The Chiefs have had nine straight winning seasons from 1965 to 1973, all of them under Hank Stram. Then they had another uh, uh, set uh, of nine consecutive winning seasons from 1989 to 1997, all of them under Marty Schottenheimer. And now they've got, uh, since 2013, uh, winning a winning season every year under Andy Reid, and these are the three best uh, winning seasons consec- done consecutively. The the uh, two amount of times that, that that's happened uh, for the Chiefs doing so nine straight years was done under Hank Stram. The other one was done under Marty Schottenheimer, and now this current streak done under Andy Reid. So all the three best uh, streaks that you've had in Chiefs history uh, of consecutive winning seasons. All of them done by the same coach for each respective streak right there. Uh, very interesting to see. And and I don't know what you attribute that to. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's consistency there. Uh, with uh, with Hank Stram, you've had, uh, I believe, the same quarterback uh, for a majority of the time there uh, during those nine years. And then uh, for Schottenheimer, you've had a lot of different quarterbacks, but still a lot of success there. And it was the defense that did a lot of the work there. And in Kansas City, you had two different quarterbacks, Alex Smith, for the first five years. And now you have Patrick Mahomes this year. And hopefully for uh, several more years. And with the way this team is starting to shape up offensively, they look very good. You anticipate that Tyree Kill and Patrick Mahomes will be retained for a long time, as well as Kareem Hunt. Hopefully Sammy Watkins. Uh, he, he will, uh, when the time is right, he'll uh, sign an extension and stay in Kansas City for a couple of more years. Uh, but hopefully they improve this defense as as time goes on, and if they can stay healthy, and, and that does require some good luck, this team will fit, will stay above five hundred and probably uh, shatter those uh, those uh, two bests uh, the Chiefs have of nine straight and uh, make it ten straight one day. Obviously, long ways away. Uh, but with, with, with the way this team is shaping up uh, from right now, it's always hard to tell what happens uh, three, four years from now. A lot can change. Uh, but as long as you have one of the best quarterbacks and maybe the best quarterback right now, uh, odds are uh, the Chiefs are going to uh, probably sap that record and be the best uh, in franchise history to have that many consecutive winning seasons. So good for the Kansas City Chiefs on that uh, being able to do the do that uh, fourth straight win of the season now nine and one, and a lot to get into. Uh, pre uh, recapping this game between the Chiefs and the Cardinals real quickly later in the week. Of course, the Chiefs' next game is a Monday Night Football game against the Rams, so we will not 
have a preview episode on Thursday. Instead, it'll be out on Friday, so be on the lookout for that. Speaking of the podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. So if you haven't done so already, subscribe to one of those outlets. And if you have, well then, let your friends know about it as well, hitting the share button on those uh, websites. Also, you guys can interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Vasugian. That is my Facebook page. We do the Facebook Live videos at halftime and after every game. So be sure you join me for that on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 plus my email, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. Got to give a big special happy Veterans Day message to uh, everyone out there who uh, has served this country or currently uh, serves the country, as, as well as those who will, uh, for those in training or for those who want to, uh, serve this country. Uh, obviously, big sacrifices made, and, and I love that the NFL uh, does this uh, every year, where they uh, take take time and they do it every game. But uh, they always raise the bar a little bit more uh, during this time of year, where they uh, honor all of the uh, veterans, uh, br- bring them out on the field uh, a lot more uh, veterans than uh, you see in other games, and honor them. And of course, you see a lot of uh, the coaches. Uh, they have some of the. Uh, the, the camouflage outfits they have on the sidelines. So it's very cool to see and a very uh, good way to honor uh, our veterans for this country. Uh, also, I, I know for those of you in California dealing with a lot right now with the wildfires, I know the NFL was keeping a very close eye on two games, the Chargers and the Raiders game in Oakland, as well as the Seahawks and the Rams game in LA. Both of them ended up uh, going through with their games, uh, which was good to see. And some people, uh, they, they've um, raised the evacuation notice for uh, for a lot of the people in California. So a lot of people have been able to go back to their homes. But I did see, the, the last I've seen, I, I saw there was a report of 25 deaths in the area. A lot of people have lost their homes. Uh, very. I know the Rams canceled practice on Friday. Uh, so it's, uh, it's very scary to see. Uh, I mean, losing your home. Uh, I mean, that that's never something anyone wants to uh, go through uh, very very tough to see uh, not, not even having your own home so uh, very uh, scary situation there and uh, a big thanks to all the firefighters and everyone else out there uh, volunteers police officers I mean and I'm sure I'm sure hospitals are uh, are crazy right now in California everyone that's doing their best to uh, to help those out there dealing with that situation one other thing I do want to mention uh, on here um, and this to me is a bit of a sensitive subject because uh, you've got to be very careful when you talk about these kinds of things. I know on social media, people can write anything and it'll go viral. I mentioned on the podcast, uh, some someone on, on social media created this crazy rumor claiming they spotted Earl Thomas at KCI Airport because he was coming to visit the Chiefs for, I guess, a job interview, even though you can't do that uh, when you're under contract with another team. But someone created that rumor, and it actually did go viral on social media, which is embarrassing to see. Um, but, but what I'm getting at here is, in this foot, uh, during, uh, before the football game, actually, Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend, who is, uh, and I did not know this before, but I believe she's a training in- instructor. She does something with fitness and in- in- in training, uh, working with other people, uh, judging by her Instagram. Uh, but uh, his girlfriend, Brittany, uh, her father passed out before the game. They rushed him to the ER and he eventually passed away, unfortunately. Very sad story there. Uh, and I'm bringing this up because Mahomes did not do any post-game media. The Chiefs did say that there was a family emergency. But eventually, uh, his uh, girlfriend, um, Brittany, did uh, did confirm on her Instagram that her stepfather passed away. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is, it obviously, thoughts and prayers go out to their family members uh, and friends, everyone else involved. Uh, very sad, obviously. And I believe... Um, her family was visiting from Texas. They were staying with her uh, for the game. But the, the reason I'm bringing this up is because when it was rumored that, uh, or when not rumored, but when the Chiefs did say that there was a family emergency and he was not available, Chiefs fans speculated on this. You, you know, speculate on an injury if you want. Speculate on uh, on uh, locker room trouble for a team. Speculate on that stuff. But when there's family emergency, and I saw different. Uh, possibilities as to what the family emergency could be and people trying to spread rumors about it. Understand that, and I get Patrick Mahomes is is now this big superhero in Kansas City, but he's still human like the rest of us. So when when there's family emergency there, don't 
say anything that's not confirmed out there. It's embarrassing that people. I have to say this because social media has this has this uh, non filter, I guess, where people will say anything true or not just for the sake of likes, retweets, whatever. Because I don't know why. Uh, if anyone can explain why. People want to do that. I'm all ears. I, I would actually be interested in wondering why uh, people have time on their hands to create such rumors. But um, yeah, in fact, I think I saw a tweet. Someone called into A10 saying that Mahomes suffered an injury, and that was the uh, that was the emergency. So I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, some of the rumors that people will create uh, just to uh, just to get attention, I guess. But just to put it out there, that is what happened. That's why Mahomes is no longer there. And, and I think it's it's fair to share because she made it public on her Instagram and, and the media is now talking about it. So thoughts and prayers to uh, uh, to both of their families and all the uh, family members and uh, friends involved. Uh, obviously a very sad story. Uh, but again, when these kinds of things do come up, if a player mentions or if a team mentions that there's family emergency as to why a player is not available for something, don't start any rumors about this because it's completely unfair to... To these players, as well as their family members, uh, when they're grieving during a time like this, uh, you never know exactly what could be going on, and it would give them a bad taste in their mouths. Obviously, it's a small uh, minority of people who are doing this, but even then, with com- with things like that, and I saw, I did see one negative comment on um, her social media page about her stepfather's passing. Even though it may be one or two people that do these things, those things do get noticed by people. Uh, I remember a long time ago when I did this podcast, you know, a lot, obviously a lot of listeners and a lot of positive comments, but there were one or two comments that would kind of get to me, one or two negative comments, and people just, you know, being knuckleheads or whatnot. And I've I've learned to just get over that. Okay, I, I've learned to laugh at those things, if I'm being honest. And I mentioned that before on the podcast with some of the uh, ridiculous tweets or emails I get uh, from some people. But uh, when it comes to people's family members, just don't say anything if it's not true or confirmed. Is that too hard to ask for? I don't think it is. So I I, I did want to get that out there. Uh, I I know it's not football-related at all, but uh, when it comes to an athlete or a celebrity's family, uh, especially an emergency situation, don't say anything until there's a confirmation as to what the situation is. Seems obvious, but you gotta you gotta, you gotta spread the word to some people for these kinds of things. All right, let's get into the game because I know that's the uh, reason a lot of you guys are listening. And, and obviously, a, a great game for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, offensively and defensively. Uh, I, I know people will nitpick on on defense and some of the things that took place, but. I know uh, the Chiefs, uh, they allowed, uh, by the way, the Chiefs did lose a coin toss for the first time this year, and they received uh, first for the first time this year, something we haven't seen in a game this year from the Chiefs. But when the Chiefs' defense did start with possession, a lot of people just went crazy thinking that the Cardinals were going to score a bunch. They only scored 14 in this game. I think a lot of people need to relax with 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 how a defense performs, okay, uh, opening drive they they don't do so well. They allow a uh, what was it a twelve play drive, seventy five yards, and I'll get get into that uh, in a moment. But the Chiefs finished the game with five sacks, two interceptions, and they only allowed fourteen points. And by the way, they only allowed two hundred sixty yards. Yes, it's the Cardinals, but that's how you're supposed to perform against a team like the Cards. So uh, people just need to relax on this. Uh, you see, sometimes people just. Blow things out of proportion. Oh well, uh, they allowed a touchdown on their opening drive. That means they're going to score. Uh, they're going to allow a touchdown every single drive. No, it's not how it works. Uh, by the way, crazy thing about that is the Cardinals are the first team to score a touchdown on the Chiefs on an opening drive against Kansas City. So, of all teams, the Cardinals uh, the first ones to do it. But nonetheless. Chiefs did have a couple of uh, mishaps on, on on defense as well as offense, but still, I, I thought it was a great game for both of them. I know on the scoreboard it may not look like that, but uh, a, a lot of good things were done in this football, football game. For example, with Patrick Mahomes, uh, his first touchdown of the game came in three plays. Uh, he uh, tied the record and then broke it later on. The first touchdown, uh, again, came on a three-play drive, 56 seconds. Uh, the first pass goes to Tyree Kill, 38 yards, second pass, also thrown to Tyreek Hill's direction, but incomplete, was short. And then on the third play, Mahomes connected with Tyreek Hill on a 37-yard catch-and-run 
play. And that's something that, that the Chiefs are really going to look for in that Rams game next week. And I do want to touch on the Rams a little bit on this podcast because that is the big game now that uh, we can uh, fully uh, focus on as that is the uh, next opponent for the Chiefs in eight nights in Mexico City. So we'll talk about that later on. But that is the matchup the Chiefs want every single time, especially when they're going to be facing a high-powered team like the Rams. And I know, say what you want about the Rams and uh, the quality of opponents they've played, how they've done against quality quarterbacks, but you can only play who you play, and if you win, you win. And right now they're 9-1, and one, just like the Chiefs. A lot of teams in the NFC would gli- every team in the NFC would gladly trade records with the Rams as well as every single team in the AFC right now. So you know you've got you've got the two best teams in the NFL going head to head. I know the the Saints handed them their first loss, but uh, this is at the end of the day those are still the two best teams in the league. Now, I did mention the Cardinals did uh, have a touchdown drive of their own to open things up. They responded with a touchdown to tie things up. Uh, it took them six minutes and one second. Uh, they used running back David Johnson quite a lot in this game. And, and I mentioned this on the Facebook Live videos. David Johnson kind of reminded me a lot of Tim Hightower. For those who don't remember Tim Hightower, he was a, a former running back for the Arizona Cardinals. And he had some flashes in his career. And this is a guy who was used quite a lot in... The rushing game, but also in the passing game as well. Very similar to how Andy Reid uses running backs on an offense. And I feel like if David Johnson was playing under Andy Reid, he'd do just as well as guys like Jamal Charles or Kareem Hunt, uh, how they've done under Andy Reid. And in fact, the way David Johnson performed in this football game, it looked like he was playing under a coach like Andy Reid. In fact, I saw a tweet from uh, one of the Arizona media members. David Johnson set season highs in rushing yards with 98 and receiving yards with 85, as well as catches with seven against the Chiefs in this football game. So, And I'll get into to that running back play uh, later on because when the Chiefs face Todd Gurley next week, this is a guy who is very active. Again, similar to... How David Johnson looked in this game, as well as similar to how Andy Reid uses running backs. And that is something, you would think that Andy Reid, of all coaches, would be able to figure that out by now. But the Chiefs haven't, and they've got to be ready for that next week. Because you know Todd Gurley's going to get a lot of feeds in this game. Uh, he, I mean, he's going to get a lot of touches against Kansas City's defense. Uh, you, you you think of the, the Rams coaching staff, they're going to watch all the game film for Kansas City, and they're going to see that running backs have done a great job against Kansas City's defense. They've been able to move the ball quite a lot. Uh, it is a bend no break defense. That's how it's been over the years, even during their more dominant years prior to last season before this defense started to allow a lot more yards. But this is a, a team that struggled quite a lot against running backs this season. And that is an area where the Rams are going to try to exploit that. And having one of the best running backs in the league in, in Todd Gurley, I think they're going to try to use that against the Chiefs and hoping that it will change their fortune uh, compared to how other teams have, have done against the Chiefs this year. Uh, despite being tied at 7 after that drive, the Chiefs did get a field goal and they did not look back since then. They forced a 3 and out on the Cardinals, got another field goal on the following drive. They forced yet another 3 and out on the drive afterwards and then when they got the football back, they capitalized on a touchdown pass. Once again, it was Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. This time, uh, the, uh, the, the this touchdown pass broke the record. Uh, and Hill had a great day. Seven catches, 117 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. Was targeted 10 times total in this football game. Went into the stands both times for the touchdown celebrations. And the second time, he used the uh, camera as uh, as a prop. Was flagged for it. Uh, and he actually, uh, while filming... He captured his own penalty flag being thrown, and I think that's the first time. I know this was something Chad Johnson did, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, uh, paying homage to uh, Chad Johnson in uh, doing so. So, uh, that, that's an area where, uh, you know, have fun with the celebrations. The, the Chiefs seem like they uh, they choreograph these. They, they, they practice these quite a lot, but you got you to gotta know the rules as well. I know Demetrius Harris, and, and I, I know what you guys are going to say. You know, I mean, you don't like any fun. Well... You, you got to think of the team, too. And Andy Reid said this as well. When Demetrius Harris had his touchdown catch, he... I don't know where he went, but he went inside a trash can. And Andy Reid was not happy about that because the play clock is rolling. You have 40 seconds to get your field goal unit on the field. And listen, when the 
I mean, you you have your backup tight ends and, and some backup offensive linemen who come in for the field goal unit. So you don't want to have too many people on the field at once because that that could turn into a penalty. So you've got to be careful with that. And Andy Reid did mention this, that, you know, the clock is rolling. You've got to get the hell off the field. Don't spend too much time with your celebrations. And uh, hopefully the Chiefs can understand, look, there are some limitations with this. And, and you got to be careful. The, the, the flag did not end up hurting the Chiefs in any way. The Cardinals did not score off of those extra yards that they got from the ensuing kickoff. But in a close game, you never know in those situations. You can never risk that kind of thing. If it's a blowout near the end of the game, yeah, sure. Okay, if you want to throw it through the crossbar or, or use a, a prop and you don't care for the fine, then hey, more power to you. So hopefully the Chiefs just, just can keep it cool, at least when it's early and the game is still within reach. But nonetheless, the Chiefs did score 10 points in each quarter in the first half. They had a 20-7 to lead at halftime uh, in the, in the uh, going into the second half. I do have to say this, the Chiefs did score on their first four play or first four drives of the game and then on their fifth drive of the game which ended up being the final drive uh, of the game for them in the first half the Chiefs punted the football and I say this with disappointment because uh by the way Dustin Colquitt punted five times and I say that with even more disappointment because I didn't have the bold prediction where I said the Chiefs were gonna have no punts and no turnovers in this football game uh the no turnovers part did happen but the Chiefs punted the football five times. So I, I, I made the prediction that the Chiefs were going to score on every single drive with the exception of just a couple seconds remaining at the end of a first half to start with possession or if it was the end of the game where they kneeled to wrap up a, a game, which would also conclude their drive. So th- th- those were the only exceptions I had. But uh, obviously I, I had a complete miss on that one. So I have to take an L for that bold prediction uh, I, I made uh, prior to the game. But still... Uh, a 20-7 lead at halftime. The Cardinals opened up with possession, and they had a, another 12-play touchdown drive to open up the second half. Uh, started the first half uh, with a 12-play uh, touchdown drive when they finally got possession, and then in the second half, they uh, had a 12-play touchdown drive. So uh, they had a thing for 12-play touchdown drives in this game, but those were the only two times the Cardinals put up any points on the scoreboard. Kansas City's defense really came alive especially in the second half. Chris Jones, he had a sack, and actually had two sacks in this football game. That gave him seven on the year. He surpassed his career high of six and a half sacks last year. Uh, So uh, he has seven sacks now in the year, most in a season. And again, we are just 10 weeks in, uh, and with six games left, uh, you, you wonder if he can hit double-digit sacks. And I do think this is the year where Chris Jones finally breaks through and... Gets that Pro Bowl invite, but hopefully we'll pass it on for a bigger bowl game this year, considering that the Pro Bowls are now before the Super Bowl, unlike in the past where there was that two-week gap with nothing in between, and they have the Pro Bowl afterwards. So hopefully Chris Jones can pass that up for a bigger bowl game this year. Uh, Other defensive players who stepped up in this game, Alan Bailey also got a sack. Alan Bailey quietly having a really good season, has five sacks on the year now. And he's someone who's definitely uh, had a big hand. I've got to say, uh, Alan Bailey and Chris Jones, probably one of the better defensive end duos in the league right now. I, and I don't know uh, who else you would put up there as good defensive end duos, but those two have to be up there as probably one of the best duos in the league right now. Uh, a couple of plays after Alan Bailey's sack, D. Ford gotten on the fun and had a sack. By the way, uh, the, the sack on Alan Bailey... Uh, D Ford and Chris Jones were in the area as well. They could have easily gotten to the sack. It was kind of a race as to who could get to Josh Rosen first. And it was Alan Bailey who did that. D Ford got in there. He has nine sacks on the season now. He hurried Josh Rosen. He had a hell of a game. He hurried Josh Rosen a couple of times early in the game on key situations. He also drew a couple of holding penalties, uh, which were committed by Andre Smith, the right tackle or, or uh, left tackle. Or, or yeah, No, he was the right tackle. Excuse me. Uh, he has uh, he had two ta- uh, penalties in that game. As for D Ford, he had three tackles for a loss in this game as well. So a great game for D Ford, probably his best game of the season. I know it was just one sack, but to constantly put pressure on Josh Rosen and whenever he couldn't, it's because Andre Smith held him. And what obviously when you're holding someone, it makes it very difficult to to, to just get in there. Uh, similar in basketball, when you have those uh, players who 
go in for a big layup. Uh, but if it gets goaltended, well, I mean, that, that's a big reason why the shot didn't go in. Still counts, statistically, but uh, for D. Ford, uh, it was kind of like that where whenever he could not put pressure on Josh Rosen, it's because Andre Smith was uh, holding him. And the Chiefs really drew a lot of holding penalties in this football game. Uh, the, the, the types of holding calls you saw in this game, you were complaining about in the past because you were wondering why the refs missed them. And the Chiefs got it their way in this football game. So for those who have always complained about some blatant holding calls that were missed in the past, well, uh, it seems like the, the uh, referee gods uh, wanted to make up for that in this game because the Chiefs got a lot of them, uh, or they drew a lot of them, uh, as the Cardinals committed a bunch of those in this football game. A couple of players did return on the defensive foot side of the football for the Chiefs. Dan Sorensen, the safety, returned, uh, actually uh, played for the first time this year, uh, suffered an injury in training camp, and uh, is back now. Uh, had four tackles in this football game. Justin Houston uh, put some pressure on Josh Rosen, also got an interception uh, after missing the last four games for the Chiefs. Steven Nelson, by the way, got his third interception of the year. Had one late in the game, just like last week. Had a late in the game against the Browns. Uh, picked up an interception as he helped the Chiefs seal a win. Uh, making it four straight now, as I mentioned. Nine and one on the year. Sixth straight winning year for the Chiefs. And by the way, the Chiefs had 13 takeaways. Coming into this game, tied 13th in the league. They now have 15, which we'll see how the other NFL games go, but that should put them in the top 10 in the league. And by the way, Next Gen Stats tweeted this. The Chiefs' defense generated pressure on Josh Rosen, 54.5% of dropbacks, the highest pressure rate by a team in any game this season. They also wrote that D. Ford and Justin Houston combined for 15 pressures, averaging less than 3.4 yards from the QB on pass rush snaps. See what happens when you let your outside linebackers blitz instead of putting them back in coverage? That's what you, what happens right there. Five sacks in this game. When the Chiefs tried to double-team D. Ford or Justin Houston, well, guess what? That opened up the door for guys like Allen Bailey and Chris Jones to get in there and make plays. This is a very good front seven for Kansas City. Inside linebackers, okay, not as good as we expected with Reggie Ragland and Anthony Hitchens, but Dorian O'Daniel, he's made some plays for the Chiefs this year. He's done a good job, and you wonder if he could be a guy that takes over in the future uh, for Kansas City's inside linebackers. But this Chiefs front seven right now, uh, and I know it's the Cardinals, but it's not like their offensive line is is completely terrible. They've been able to do some things uh, this year uh, for the Cardinals. Uh, Again, I know it hasn't been on a consistent rate. They've only won two games this year, but... Uh, there are some teams out there that would kill to have some of their offensive linemen, especially their interior guys. It's just they were not ready for this Chiefs front seven. And again, you 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 read the stat right there from Next Gen Stats: fifty four point five percent of dropbacks, highest pressure rate by a team in any game this season. You've got to wonder. I mean, someone has to show this tweet to Bob Sutton, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, and convince him keep putting pressure on quarterbacks you have to do this because when you do that great things happen for this Chiefs defense and again I understand it's a Cardinals they're having a horrible season but that doesn't take away from the fact that D Ford's having a great year he I mean he's been doing this all year long uh, against good teams and bad teams Justin Houston you know he's capable of this he's been one of the best in a while hasn't had that monster type of season in a while The, the Pro Bowl Justin Houston we haven't seen him in a while uh, but 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 he does have flashes here and there, at least uh, as of late, since coming back from that knee injury that he had. So this Chiefs team has got to put pressure. And again, uh, with a couple of big games coming up, you've got the Chargers rematch. And uh, sure, the Chiefs did, did beat them uh, earlier in the year. Uh, but at, at this time of the year, in December, the Chargers are going to be a much different football team. Yes, it's at Arrowhead again, uh, but, but three months past, uh, both teams are a lot different today. Or at the time, I should say. Even if they played now, both teams are a lot different. Uh, so, so you've got to use your front seven to put pressure on a guy like Phillip Rivers. You, the Seahawks, they rallied, almost came back to beat the Rams uh, on Sunday. And you know what? If, if, if you put your front seven out there and put pressure on Russell Wilson, he's going to have a tough day, as the Rams did in this football game against the Seahawks. 
And of course, the biggest one uh, next week uh, against the Rams on Monday Night Football, Jared Goff. Again, another great quarterback who the Chiefs have remaining uh, to play against on their schedule this year. Uh, This is a guy that you've also got to put pressure on him and limit him in some of his opportunities because you know what this Rams team, and again, say what you want about their quality of opponents. You can only play who's on your schedule, sure, uh, when it comes to actually playing quality opponents and in the playoffs, uh, it, it may hurt you. Uh, but but for the time being right now, you, you, you can't take them lightly and you have to make sure you get to uh, a guy like Jared Goff as fast as possible. Same with Russell Wilson, especially with how mobile he is. Phillip Rivers, you know he'll air it out as quickly as possible and he's got the threats to make plays uh, against your defense. So those are the kinds of things you've got to do with this Chiefs team. And again, you look at Todd Gurley, and we'll talk about this more later this week. Uh, and again, a reminder, not on Thursday, but on Friday for our preview episode, since it is a Monday Night Football game, uh, the Chiefs did allow 260 yards. Felt like a little bit more, but again, 260 yards, that's what they allowed. 183 of those yards came from David Johnson. He was responsible for 70% of Arizona's offense. The Chiefs really need to be ready for Todd Gurley next week, who is going to be very active in the passing game for against the Chiefs. He's, he's been very active in the passing game with Jared Goff as his QB all year long, and you know that's going to be uh, one of the game plans for the Rams this Monday, or next Monday, I should say, against the Chiefs when these two teams meet in Mexico City. Spencer Ware did wrap up the game with a touchdown off of the Justin Houston interception. That was his first touchdown since 2016, missed last year due to a torn ACL, so great to see him in the end zone uh, for the first time in a long time. Missed that chance on Sunday Night Football a couple of weeks ago against the Bengals, so he was able to make up for that in this game. Tyreek Hill also had a punt return touchdown, was called back due to an illegal block in the back from Demetrius Harris. Uh, Just like contact, it was far away from where Hill was. Uh, Just bad luck right there, even with the lightest contact, the referees are going to throw that flag, and Tyreek Hill, he was so excited, uh, I mean, he put up the, the peace sign, the deuces, Uh, on his way to the end zone, uh, and it seemed like it took him a while to realize that there was a flag on the play. But nonetheless, uh, still still a good game for the Chiefs. 26 points. Let me just say this. If you told me before the season that in Week 10, the Chiefs would score 26 points, and that would be the fewest they would have put up on the scoreboard in a game this year, my response would have been that the Chiefs were either undefeated by that point, or they're pretty damn close and they've been pretty damn close to undefeated the only game they lost this year on the against the Patriots on the road three seconds left on the clock and the Patriots kicked the game-winning field goal as time expired that's your only loss of the year so for the Chiefs they've done a lot of great things and again say what you want about the defense and again I, I know the schedule has gotten a little bit easier so the defense hasn't surrendered uh, as many yards and as many points uh, but they kind of deserve that break. You, you've got to start with these uh, building blocks here. Try to hone your skills and improve in some of these areas. Now, and then when you start playing some of these better teams, such as uh, the Rams uh, next week, you, then uh, after the bye week, you've got the Chargers and the Seahawks, uh, and then you, you've got the Raiders twice too. Uh, so some easy teams, uh, but again, some difficult teams as well. But, but, but again, don't get me wrong. You never underestimate anybody. Uh, but the Chiefs offense... Uh, you, you know that they're going to go out there and do their thing. And the defense, they're starting to uh, improve and they're learning as they go along in the month of October and November. So hopefully uh, all these tune-ups that the Chiefs have had defensively against some of these struggling offenses, let's see how that pays off against a team like the Rams and this Chiefs offense. Can they prove that a lot of people are right that the Rams defense has not been able to stop a quality quarterback this year? That's been the thought process by a lot of people so far. Let's see if the Chiefs can prove a lot of people right in doing so next Monday night. It's going to be a very fun matchup. It it really will be. And I'm excited to uh, discuss that later Friday when we do our preview podcast here on the Chiefs Own Podcast. Uh, I do want to mention one other thing because we mentioned uh, some notable uh, moments uh, in the record books. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald uh, from the Cardinals side, uh, he passed Terrell Owens uh, for second in all time in receiving yards, uh, very close to uh, 16,000. Uh, he trails Jerry Rice, though, by almost 7,000 yards. So very doubtful he uh, passes Jerry Rice. Uh, but nonetheless, I-, I will say this, though. I think Larry Fitzgerald is a better receiver than Jerry Rice. And here's why. And I and I know that this will 
be a little self-contradicting because of what Patrick Mahomes, a lot of the things I'm about to say now you could say about Patrick Mahomes, but Jerry Rice had Joe Montana, Steve Young, Rich Gannett, and Matt Hasselbeck as his quarterback, spending a majority of his career with San Francisco and with Joe Montana eventually uh, leaving and being in Kansas City for a couple of years. Uh, they were spoiled and got Steve Young. And then Jerry Rice went to Oakland. Not necessarily the most memorable time in Oakland, but you had Rich Gannon as your quarterback, which always helped. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they did go to the Super Bowl once with... Um, yeah, I'm actually I'm actually getting a mix-up with Randy Moss, the, the, the other uh, big-name wide receiver who had a not-so-memorable run with the Raiders. So I do take that back. Uh, but you had Rich Gannon as your QB... In Oakland, and then in the uh, half a season where he played with the Seahawks, you had Matt Hasselback as your quarterback. Look at Larry Fitzgerald. He had he had Carson Palmer, excuse me, Carson Palmer and Kurt Warner, two good quarterbacks. But after that, look who else he had: Josh McCown, Matt Leiner, Drew Stanton, Kevin Cobb for crying out loud, who Andy Reid drafted by the way in Philadelphia, John Skelton, Blaine Gabbert, former Missouri quarterback who his career just did not pan out at all. In the NFL. And by the way, I'll never understand this. How Blaine Gabbert was a first-round pick. And I can't remember exactly when he got drafted. But Blaine Gabbert was a first-round draft pick. And Chase Daniel wasn't. Yet Chase Daniel, I think, is having the better pro career than Blaine Gabbert is. Uh, I know Blaine, uh, I know Chase has been mostly a backup. But even then, he's looked better than Blaine Gabbert. So I, I'll never understand how, how that ended up happening. Because even coming out of Mizzou, I did not view Blaine Gabbert as that high quality level of a quarterback. I just never did. And I was shocked when uh, Chase Daniel went undrafted. So I, I'll never understand that at all. But nonetheless, that's who Larry Fitzgerald has had. And I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of guys, a lot of quarterbacks in Arizona, but that's who Fitz has had over the years. Now, sure, going back to what I was saying about Patrick Mahomes, the same thing could be said about Patrick Mahomes. Maybe he's having such a great season because he's got Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, guys who are some of the best at their position. Sammy Watkins, who's also in some areas better than a lot of top-notch wide receivers in the NFL right now. So I get that as well. Uh, in order to be able to put up a lot of big numbers like this and perhaps maybe be one of the best statistically ever, you've got to have good teammates around you. So I get that with with Jerry Rice, but with Larry Fitzgerald, he's never left Arizona, and I'm sure it's he's considered that in the, in the back of his mind, but still, he's always stayed there, has gone through so many different head coaches, and so many different quarterbacks, and still, he's been able to put up so many big numbers, and he's been he's, he's the second best receiver in terms of receiving yards goes. And if he had the quarterbacks that Jerry Rice has had, I think he would have put up bigger numbers than Jerry Rice. I know that's the uh, what if game. Uh, and I, I, I've i said before. I'm not a big fan of that game. But I truly do believe that if Larry Fitzgerald had who Jerry Rice has had. I think Larry Fitzgerald would have put up bigger numbers than Jerry Rice. Let me know your thoughts on that. Or anything we've discussed. Recapping this game between the Chiefs and the Cardinals. Facebook.com slash Farzine Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Plus my email Farzine at Farzine Let's look at the AFC West standings for just a moment. The Chiefs, 9-1, still on top of the AFC West. And even if they do lose, they still own the tiebreaker over the Chargers, who are one game behind the Chiefs with a 7-2 record. Actually, one and a half games because of the bye week, but eventually that will uh, come into play, and the Chiefs will have just a one-game lead. Uh, unless they were to lose next week, then they would be tied. And if the Chargers keep winning, assuming that happens as well, then they'd be tied for first place, but it would be the Chiefs still uh, in first place because of the tiebreaker. So you know that head-to-head matchup later on Thursday Night Football this year. That will be key for the Chiefs when they face the Chargers. The Broncos, they were on a bye. They are 3-6 and six on the year. And the Raiders, uh, just a horrible year for the Raiders. 1-8. and eight. Uh, And I'll mention this right now while I'm at it. The Chargers beat the Raiders 20-6. to six. Game not as close as the score indicated. Uh, the Raiders were able to move the football, but they just were no threat to to punch the football in the end zone. As a matter of fact, late in the game, on fourth down, Derek Carr, pressured by multiple pass rushers, throws the football away on fourth down. You don't throw the football away. I understand. You've got 300-pound linemen chasing you. Multiple 300-pound linemen. I get that. But if that's the case on fourth down, you got to know the situation. Throw the football up. 
it might get intercepted. I remember last year, Alex Smith, his first interception came nine games into the season, I believe. And that was against the Cowboys. It was a fourth and five play. Smith was getting hit. And in the process, he throws the football away. It ended up getting picked off. But at least he threw it away and did something with it. If he just took the sack or threw the football away on fourth down, he would have gotten criticized for not at least throwing the football up on fourth down. You've got to make a play. If pass rushers are coming at you, just throw the football up. No one's going to criticize you. If it gets picked off, people are going to say, well, he was getting pressured and he had to make some sort of a play. So I just don't understand what happened with the Raiders, and more specifically with Derek Carr, who was very close to winning MVP a couple of seasons ago. And with John Gruden, I mean, 1-8, if you told me the Raiders were going to be 1-8, and eight, I would have not believed you. A lot of people were not high on the Raiders, and I, I think maybe bias is a big part of that. I've always been high on this Raiders team. Uh, I, I said they were going to compete for the division in 2016. I said that after the 2015 draft. A lot of you guys laughed at me for that, and... Look what happened. The, the, the Raiders came damn close to winning it, but losing to the Chiefs two straight times and plus the car injury, that definitely hurt them uh, late in 2016. So, uh, And I don't know what's happened to that Raiders team since then. Uh, very, very crazy to see. And you just have to wonder uh, what the interest will be like sending a really bad football team to Las Vegas, depending when that happens. Uh, you, if, if you're a Raiders fan, you've got to hope that you hit a home run on all three of these first round picks. If you keep all three of them, I, I just don't know how things are going to pan out for the Raiders. And by the way, the chiefs play them twice. I'm not going to sit here and just pencil them as automatic wins, but, uh, if I had to put money down right now, I, I really like Kansas City's chances of winning both of those games. Uh, it would be a huge upset if the chiefs, uh, were to lose either of those games or even both of them. So, uh, you have to feel pretty good uh, knowing that you still have those two games left on your schedule. Uh, also, where the Chiefs got help, though, uh, or uh, I shouldn't say also, but where the Chiefs did get help from the Tennessee Titans, uh, a team who broke our hearts last year in the playoffs. Well, uh, they kind of made up for that in this game, defeating the New England Patriots in a blowout, 34-10. to Brian Hoyer, by the way, replaced Tom Brady with seven minutes to go in the game. I was kind of surprised by that. The Patriots had possession, too. And you know the Patriots have been comeback kings under Tom Brady. Uh, but Bill Belichick threw in the, the, the towel and said, hey, uh, forget it. Brady was 21 of 41 in this game, was sacked three times, had a quarterback rating of 29 and a half. Not good at all. And then the Rams and the Seahawks, another, another notable game as far as best record in the NFL goes with the Chiefs and the Rams. The Rams almost blew a 10-point lead inside two minutes uh, to the Seahawks. Uh, but the Seahawks fell short. Turning it, turning it over on fourth down, a surprise onside kick attempt, that failed. And plus the Russell Wilson fumble, that really hurt the Seahawks late in the game. The Rams scored 16 points in the fourth quarter and held on to win against the Seahawks. And they have a 9-1 record with the Chiefs tied for the best record in the NFL. Both teams number one in their respective conferences. And by the way, I did make a mistake. It was actually a 12-point lead that the Rams had that they almost blew, but nonetheless still held on to win. Uh, They did suffer a big loss with wide receiver Cooper Cup, who they fear has suffered a torn ACL. He will have an MRI on Monday, but that could be a big difference maker for the Rams' offense. We'll see uh, the result of that on Monday. And, uh, of course, I'll update you guys on social media as that goes. Uh, we'll, we'll, We'll touch on the Rams and the Chiefs just a little bit uh, on this podcast, but real quickly, I do want to look at the AFC playoff picture. The Chiefs still have the number one seed in the AFC. The Steelers have moved up. They have the number two seed. They have a 6-2-1 and one record. Keep in mind, they did have that tie against the Cleveland Browns earlier this year. In fact, that was in week one. So the Chiefs have to be careful with that. The Chiefs do have the head-to-head uh, win over the Steelers from week two, but uh, because of the tie, you may not end up seeing that head-to-head uh, tiebreaker come into play at all because of the tie, unless the Chiefs uh, lose a game and they also uh, end up in a, in, a, in a game where they tie. So that is something you've got to be very careful with uh, because that head-to-head uh, tiebreaker is not going to come into play. So you've got to make sure you stay ahead of the Steelers as the season goes on. The number three seed in the AFC, the Patriots, with a 7-3 and record, and then 
As far as the fourth seed goes, that's the Texans. They currently lead the AFC South with a 6-3 record. And your wildcard teams, uh, the Bengals with a 5-4 record. Their wildcard spot is wide open, up for grabs. Uh, and the Chargers, 7-2. The Chargers have the... Well, they're tied with the Patriots for the second most wins. The Patriots are 7-3. and three. The Chargers are 7-2. and two. Excuse me, the Patriots are 7-3. and three. The Chargers are 7-2. and two. Uh, The Steelers are 6-2-1. and one, But obviously, because the Chiefs are leading the AFC West, the Chargers have that fifth seed. Similar situation from 2013 uh, as well as 2015, where the Chiefs had 11 wins both those years, but had to settle for a wildcard spot because the Broncos had the better record and won the AFC West those two years. So now the Chargers are starting to feel what that's like, having a really good record, but having to settle for uh, a wildcard spot for the time being. Similar thing with the Raiders in 2016, when the Chiefs and the Raiders had uh, a 12-4 record, but because of the head-to-head matchup and the tiebreaker with the Chiefs winning both games, the Raiders had to settle for a wildcard spot, and the Chiefs got that AFC West division. Uh, the Chiefs finally on the other side of having a tiebreaker, or at least a double-digit uh, wins on uh, on the record, uh, but for a while under Andy Reid, they had to sell for a wild card spot. Now they're winning divisions, uh, and this is going to be a, a close race here. That's why that matchup against LA in uh, in a couple of weeks on Thursday night that's going to be very key for the Chiefs in December. That, a couple of big matchups, uh, and again, you're three zero in the AFC West. Only one of those teams uh, you have played against at home. Their first two divisional games were away games, and that bodes well for them. So hopefully they can carry that over. And the Chiefs, as we all know, they've done a great job in the AFC West, have not lost to the Chargers since 2013. Still, all of that is irrelevant to 2018, but you you want to make sure they, they continue that trend uh, this year against the Chargers. So you've got to be very careful. If the Chiefs do lose to the Chargers uh, at any point, uh, the Chargers could not only take uh, over for the Chiefs, in the AFC West, but the Chiefs would go from a, a one seed potentially to a five seed, and that is not something you want. So you've got to be very careful with that, and that also depends on other tiebreaker situations, your division record, the conference. Uh, so something the Chiefs need to be completely be, uh, careful with as the season continues. Now I did mention the Chiefs and Rams do play in eight nights, two best teams in the NFL, tied for the best record in the league. Uh, obviously. A great matchup that the NFL could ask for on primetime in week 11. You don't get that often. And of course, a lot of the fans in Mexico who are going to be attending this game, getting a big gift, seeing the two best teams in the NFL. A lot of You don't get a lot of good matchups for the London games for whatever reason. Uh, maybe just bad luck, but gosh, the fans in Mexico definitely getting uh, a big treat, uh, getting the two best teams in the NFL. Uh, however, uh, there are... Some bad field conditions at Estadio Azteca, where the game will be played. I guess there was a concert there on a Thursday or a Friday night, and it created a bunch of damage on the field. I posted pictures on social media. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, a soccer game was played there Saturday afternoon, and it, it just looks horrible. It does not look safe to play in at all. There is a little bit more than a week before they can fix it uh, by the time the Chiefs and Rams play, but... but Man, I, I kind of wonder if the NFL has backup plans for these kinds of things. I don't think they do. Uh, but, gosh, it's just bad luck. And it, it's not because bad field conditions for both teams. Uh, a lot of Chiefs fans are kind of concerned about this, that it would benefit the Rams. Both teams are going to be playing in it. The real concern is injuries for both teams. And considering they both have a great record, obviously you've got a lot of great players on your te- on, on the teams. You suffer a, a, a brutal injury because of bad field conditions, man. Uh, this could really hurt one, maybe both teams. Uh, so you really want to be careful with that in this football game. And hopefully the NFL will do whatever it takes to make sure that the the, 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 the game will be, will be played on a good field. Because, first of all, you want to have the best field possible. But number two, the safety of the game. That's very important. So... That is a big concern for me, not necessarily because it would be a disadvantage. Both teams are going to be playing with that disadvantage, similar to weather. It's going to impact both teams, uh, but at the end of the day, the injury and the lasting effect it could have for the remainder of the season. Uh, And again, December is going to be a tough month for everyone, especially teams that are playing well because they've been giving it their all all season long and not everyone's 100%. 
uh, this time of the year, and it's only going to get lower in December. And you, you want to make sure everyone's well conditioned, and hopefully the Chiefs are doing a good job of that. Uh, because luck is a big part of that. Being conditioned, uh, you know, avoiding the injury room, avoiding injury, <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's a big part of it right there. So hopefully the Chiefs, uh, and as well as the Rams too, because you want all, all the teams to be at their best as much as possible. Hopefully they can uh, leave that game in Mexico City. Hopefully they can enter it seeing a good field. But also if it's crappy conditions on the field, hopefully they can at least leave that game uh, in uh, good health because you never want to suffer an injury ever. Suffering an injury because of crappy field conditions would be absolutely bad. So we'll see how that pans out in eight nights. By the way, interesting note, Adam Schefter tweeted this. The Rams and the Chiefs both requested to play in Denver the week before having to play in the altitude in Mexico City. The NFL rejected both requests. And now the Rams will spend the week training at altitude in Colorado Springs, practicing at the Air Force Academy. I have not seen anything about that with the Kansas City Chiefs. If they're doing anything similar, I'll definitely update you guys on social media if that's the case. But that's what the Rams will be doing before traveling to Mexico City. Chiefs win today. 26-14. to A couple of things you could nitpick from the game, but hey, a win is a win. You're 9-1 on the year, and you're getting ready for perhaps the biggest game of the season on Monday Night Football. Man, I'll say this. I'm expecting a similar matchup to that Patriots game. I think both teams are going to score in the high 30s or in the, into the 40s. Man, if any of these teams... If either team gets into the 50s, boy, it'll be crazy. But I'm expecting a high-scoring game. I'm expecting a shootout. Anything outside of that, I would be shocked. And, boy, you would just hope that the Chiefs, with the amount of pressure they put on Josh Rosen, the most by any team in a game this year, if you could do that on the Rams, perhaps you could prevent the shootout and let your offense do its thing against a Rams defense that has been good but has yet to be tested by a true quarterback. We'll see how that goes. We'll talk about that and much more Friday on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Hit the share button as well. Share the links for the Chiefs Zone Podcast on social media. Speaking of social media, I'm on Facebook. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Farzin Follow me on Twitter at Farzin21 plus my email Farzin at Farzin Com. Big thanks to you guys, the listeners, for downloading and listening to the podcast. Appreciate you guys taking the time to do so. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Enjoy the rest of your week. Going to be a long week for the podcast. Going to be at a bit of a longer hiatus. A one-day uh, hiatus added on to that. But nonetheless, we'll be back Friday morning and preview the game between the Chiefs and the Rams. We'll also do our closing segments as usual. A lot to talk about this week, so stay tuned for that. Enjoy your week. Stay safe. Talk to you then.